Hey y'all, this is Jake. Before we get into this week's episode, I just wanted to say there was a little bit of trouble with background noise. I try to do my very best to minimize it, but if you hear a little bit of something in the background, that is actually the music from Frozen, which Dan's daughter was watching in the background. Uh, so we'll try to do better next time, but nonetheless, I hope it doesn't distract too much from this week's episode. Greetings, Archons. Welcome to Sanctimonious, a Keyforge podcast where two zealous Keyforge players discuss various topics regarding combat within the Crucible. Stand at attention and salute your hosts, Sir Jake and Sir Dan. Welcome to Sanctimonious. This is the 23rd ever episode of this show. If you're looking for a Sanctimonious, a Keyforge podcast, you're in the right place. If you're not looking for that, then you're in this place anyway, and we hope you stick around for our wonderful show about everything Keyforge. My name is Jake, and I'm joined by my co-host, the one and only Dan Johnson. Dan, tell the people how you're doing. Oh my goodness, I am on cloud nine, Jake. Cloud nine. Oh my goodness, I can't wait till we get to our inspiration. Hurry up, let's get there. Before we do that, I think we do have one very exciting announcement that I think we should tell the people about. Yes, we've decided that we would like to have a t-shirt design contest. We just kind of wanted to open it up and say, hey, what can you provide us? So we're going to have a t-shirt design contest. I will make a separate channel in the Discord for submissions. Um, Submissions can be submitted to me or to Jake. We will have the only ability to post in that forum. That way they will all stay together and they won't get lost in the shuffle of a million conversations going on because our Discord is super chatty. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so if you'd like to submit a t-shirt design, the grand prize, um, me and Jake will be selecting the winners, but people can influence in the channel by using reactions. Reactions will be allowed in there, just no typing. That way the designs don't get buried. But yeah, send us a t-shirt design for Sanctimonious. If you need any of the logos or anything, reach out to me, Dan. I've got all the logos and I'm happy to share those to incorporate with your designs. So yeah, so grand prize as selected, best shirt. Um, We'll get a shirt and a mat, one of our mats from Inked Gaming. So we'll get those. So you'll get the shirt that you design plus a mat of your choice from the Inked Gaming site. So that's pretty sweet. And then any other designs that get chosen, we will give you a shirt as well. So yeah, so potentially up to... I don't know, however many winners of designs that we like. Uh-huh. We're not going to hold ourselves to say like there's going to be one finalist or three, but you know, something, something along those lines. Yeah, we will select a winner and then we will go about finding a place to print and make those. We'll probably do another shirt order at that time. Um, we are working on maybe trying to find a more solid storefront, maybe like an online storefront, but that is still in the works. So we'll post out further details and everything about the final date, but go ahead and get started designing them. And keep in mind, these will be on a shirt. So if you use like a million colors, that'd make it more expensive to print. So we will have to factor all that into the ultimate decision. Archons, get out there and design a shirt. All right. Now let's go to the inspiration that you're so excited about. <sighs> Guys, the chain monkey is off my back. I 
worked out a deal with my wife to go every other week. We get a solo parent night out. So one parent stays home. The other parent gets to go out on a Monday through Thursday. So I took the first week. So Thursday night, Sean, a.k.a. Toss a Rock from the Discord, swung by and picked me up. We hit two targets on the way to the chain bound, uh, spoiler alert for <laughs> the main topic, but uh, some worlds collided in target and we managed to find a store where the worlds had collided. So we skipped dinner in order to, <laughs> to <laughs> go out of our way and get that. So we accomplished that. So feeling good already. And yeah, I took down the chain bound. It was a four round event. I took Oppenheimer of Kissing Well Pantry. Uh, it's a the highlights of the deck is trips exhumed trips Ronnie and that's kind of what everybody like focuses on when they look at the index card they're like holy smokes trips Ronnie trips exhumed I think like at least three opponents like three of the four opponents you know said that out loud like three Ronnie three exhumed and everybody just kind of expects that you're going to exhume the Ronnies all the time but the true like power in that deck is just exhuming whatever creature you need at the moment there's two ganger chieftains which are really strong because there's anguish and overlord grecking um there's dust imps using a like exhuming a ganger chieftain to have a dust imp run into something and gain you two amber while eliminating a creature from their board it's pretty strong bramo did some work against some dusk witches throughout the night i think i exhumed a bramo i played bramo and exhumed him twice to take care of dusk witches in one game but yeah, so I'm just going to do a quick little rundown of my games, um, if that's all right with you, Jake. Yeah, I can't wait to hear it. All right. And I think it's really important that our audience also hears it. Because, uh, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> yeah, the self-prescribed can't win in real life actually did it. I did it, guys. It was the first. I actually did the math. I literally had not played in real life in like two and a half months. I played one game a week ago before we played a round of disc golf, we jammed one game of in real life key forward. So this was the first time like shuffling cards multiple times in a night. So yeah, game one, sit down. Cool dude. Um, yeah, I can't remember his name. I'm so sorry, man. Well, real quick. How, how are your hand muscles from all that shuffling? Are <laughs> I mean, they like a little sore? A little today, sore, or? a little arthritic, you know, I can't really fully make a fist this morning, but it's all right. Small price to pay for winning. Uh, <laughs> No, so the first deck I go against is a Dis Logos Shadows. And it was a triple shard deck, had double Ronnies. Um, it didn't really have any like super, super burst steel. It just pretty, like the Ronnies were kind of the major steel. So I knew I was pretty safe if I wanted to go up to a big amber total. There wasn't a whole lot that could be done to me. And the only thing I kind of had to watch out for is my Oppenheimer deck really likes to be on board. And I knew with the unlocked gateway, I'd kind of have to be a little bit careful about committing to the board. And so, yeah, I just kind of built, I got a big early Brobnar board, which was really nice. I had some Shadows dudes out. And then I just kind of rode that for two or three turns, just using either either or of those. And by the time the unlock gateway happened, um, I had a handful of discs. I had a Streak, a Yurk, a Banish, a Charette, and an Overlord Grecking. So he unlocked gatewayed, and then I played like four more creatures out. <laughs> And felt pretty good about it. Maybe five. I had a handful of discs. And yeah, he just couldn't recover. Because like my strong, my start was pretty strong. And then playing those six cards refilled my hand with some Ronnies. And so that one, I'm pretty sure I took down like three to one. It wasn't ever really in doubt. That one I felt pretty good on. I just kind of got out to a big strong start and just never looked back. Game two, I go up against a Brobnar Sanctum 
Untamed, and it's a double Iron Obelisk Flamethrower deck. Yeah, and Oppenheimer has zero artifact removal, so I'm I'm pretty sure from the very get-go that I'm going to be paying a lot of Amber for keys. <laughs> and so, yeah, so the deck, his deck was super annoying. It was good. He was a super cool dude. But, I mean, it had all these Sanctum Taunt guys, too, so he could put the Brobnar guys next to the Taunt guys, so I couldn't really, like, wipe his Brobnar dudes off the board. And then he would Flamethrower and just put one damage on them. And so, yeah, I got my first key before he was able to get either Obelisk out. Um, he got a key. I got my second key paying 14 amber for it. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, and this is the game that Brammo did some work. He kept, he had two Dusk Witches, and Brammo on the initial play killed one Dusk Witch. When he hit his second Dusk Witch, I exhumed Brammo and got his Dusk Witch again, and then I found Sucker Punch, so it was never an issue. And then Sucker Punch actually did a lot of work in that game as his Brobnar guys got close to death. I think he went up to a pretty high amber total at one point, and I was able to too much protect Ronnie him to keep him down. But ultimately, I kind of looked at the clock, and we were like eight minutes when I forged my second key, so I kind of knew, like, there's no doubt about it, we were going to time. So I started just, you know, trying to keep him off his second key, trying to keep him off his second key. He finally did get his second key, but when I forged my key for 14, I was able to burst up amber really quick again. So when the game ended, it ended during his turn time was called and he had like six amber six or seven amber and i had like nine amber so like he's just like well you've got it on tiebreakers but yeah it was a really fun game it was super interesting just trying to navigate two iron <laughs> obelisks and a flamethrower because yeah my keys were just they were insane they cost so much so it was a really good game so it's pretty hilarious that uh Bramo's just like the ultimate answer to dusk witch because dusk witch because it's Omega, always has to be on a flank. On the flank. <laughs> yep. <laughs> he just wrecked. Rambo just wrecks Dusk Witches so hard. Felt so good. The, like, yeah, his deck would have been silly if he could have stuck one of those Dusk Witches. Like, it would have just been insane what he probably could have pulled off with all those beefy Brobnar and Sanctum dudes coming down ready. So, yeah, I moved to 2-0. and um, I went up third round against a Time Traveler deck. I don't remember the other two houses, but he just had no amber control. I think it was like this guy likes to play kind of these like comboy fast decks is kind of his thing. Um, and he plays really fast. Actually, when we talked about our episode about the guy that I misplayed against because he plays so fast, this is that guy. Super <laughs> cool, dude. Super nice. We actually we finished <laughs> we finished our game. Um, I think there's 23 minutes left on the clock. So we almost got two Worlds Collides games in. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> Um, but I mean, he's like, his turn's over and I'm still drawing my cards at the end of my last turn. But yeah, once again, I just kind of got out on board. Um, I got my Ronnie's early and I, it was, it was a 3-0. It was so fast. Like he just couldn't interact with my board. Um, he had Restrained Guntus in the list and I kind of knew that. So I kept my hand diversified. I think in my hand, I had two different removal cards in two different houses that could handle Restrained Guntus. I didn't like super chain myself, but like my board was so big, I could just keep using my board over and over again. So that's kind of what I did. When he dropped Restrained Guntus, I had Shadows and Dis out, and he turned off my Shadows, but I had like two Dis creatures out. So my Yurk just hit his Restrained Guntus and took it off the board, so it only lived for a turn. So yeah, that was the moment that you were guaranteed to have chains on your guaranteed deck. chains at three and zero. I'd gotten there. I was so happy. 
go into round four, another time traveler deck. Um, it's got shadows, and I think dis. And it's got double miasma, too much to protect. And it was a coda deck, so there's no Ronnie's or anything. Um, but yeah, that game started out weird. Um, I could not find my Ronnie's to save my life or to save him from forging keys. Uh, he got out to like a 2-1 lead, and I still hadn't seen a Ronnie, and I'm like more than halfway through my deck. But I'm just, I'm making these, ah, I was making so many like good decisions. Like I had a charrette out that I put out like turn one with like three disc creatures. It was like charrette, grecking, dust imp on turn one for me. Um, and it was still around about halfway through the game and I had an exhume. And so I ran my charrette into something and then was able to pop it back up to take him off check again. Um, he miasmed me. <laughs> I had such a huge pile of amber when I was at one key. Uh, he miasmed me, I think, three times thanks to uh, help from Future Self, like phase shift miasma. Um, so three turns in a row, I was sitting there at one key and a million amber, but he couldn't find us too much to protect. And then I finally found all three Ronnies at the bottom of the deck, so I just went up to like 15 or 16 amber. And I was able to use charrettes and shoelers to keep him off his amber and just control the board and just eventually ground him down and got there. He ran out of miasmas. So yeah, it was really close. I played really well all night. Um, I got really scared that last game. He was kind of out to a big lead there. And I, I actually won round four with a trips Ronnie deck, not playing a single Ronnie the entire what? game. That's insane. I did not. I had all three of them in my hand at the end of the game. Like I knew even if he did find us too much to protect, like I had three Ronnies. <laughs> oh, you went to eight, go to six, to five, to four. I mean, I probably wouldn't have played all three of them in the same turn, but I've at least played two to bring him off check and to push myself back up again. But yeah, 4-0, they, uh, they do a really nice prize payout. So I got six packs. Um, I guess the highlight of the six packs is I have a deck that's potentially a reversal deck. So I finally have a <laughs> reversal deck. Uh, the rest of them were kind of, uh, they were super meh. Well done. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. It was really cool. Like all night, everybody wanted me to update because I don't get to go out to chain bounds very much. So the entire Discord's like, we want updates after every round. And, you know, it was cool popping in going 1 0, 2 0, and people putting reactions. <laughs> Whoever did the chains reaction, that was brilliant. Loved it. Um, so, yeah, thank you. It was super cool. Like I finally got my own little mini VT where everybody was cheering me on. Got to see what it was like on that end of it. So. It wasn't just your victory, Dan. It was our victory. <laughs> it was it was a sanctimonious victory. Yeah, I, I went full. I went fully est out. I had the shirt. I had the mat. I had the carrying tube. I had the archive card. <laughs> and the sanctimonious nation looked on and smiled. Many more tournament victories in your future. Every other week, at least. Yeah. Right. Every other week, at least. Yep. <laughs> All right, so this sadly was another week for me. I think the second ever since this game was pre-released in St. Louis that I didn't get to play any Key Forge. <sighs> so that's pretty sad. I did do some Key Forge-related activities, which we'll talk about in a bit, um, but wasn't actually able to get down and play any games due to some papers I had to write for school and a take-home test and all that, you know, boring nonsense. But, Dan... I did get to go play kickball on Wednesday night with my uh, kickball team called Only the Gang. 
and we lost six to two and I had a very bad drop in the outfield. So that's my inspiration for the week. <laughs> that you're the goat, not <laughs> good kind of goat, but the bad kind of goat. Yeah, it's pretty tough. I mean, I, I love kickball as anyone in our discord knows. I talk about it all the time. It's so much fun. And, you know, it just it's just a reminder that got to keep your head up, win or lose. It's all about just having a good time, which my team was able to do. And I uh, look forward to getting back in the Keyforge saddle this coming week. Nice. So on to the main topic, eh? Let's do it. All right, main topic. Worlds collide, crash lands at target. Keyforge <laughs> players rejoice. Yeah, that's about right. <laughs> yeah, so um, anybody out there that hasn't heard, um, yeah, Reddit kind of broke the news that somebody went to Target. Apparently this person had kind of gotten out of Keyforge, but saw that there was a new two-player starter in Target and picked it up and then later realized, oh, this wasn't supposed to be out till November and put it on Reddit. So once something goes on Reddit, it kind of catches like wildfire. Yeah, it turns out people were pretty interested in that discovery. <laughs> yes, yeah, so then we all learned various different ways to check Target stocks in our location through a website and see if they had any of this item in stock. And what kind of ended up happening that caused it to be put out early is it appears that Target was using an old SKU number for a, Tokyo, a King of Tokyo expansion. And so since it wasn't the right SKU to see the product, it doesn't have the right street date. Because like that street date for that game was like two years ago, so they just got it and put it out. So yeah, so many entrepreneurial, well not entrepreneurial, just many Keyforge players that have a problem and <laughs> couldn't wait all started scouring their targets. And as I said, um, me and Sean hit two targets. One of them said they had a bunch in stock. And I think maybe we just got an employee that didn't really want to put the effort in for finding it in the back. He kind of said, he's like, oh, there's not really a locator on it, on it in the back. I can go see if I can find it in the back. And he came back like five minutes later. He's like, nope, couldn't find it. And then the second story went to the dude said we had six, came back with three. And yeah, but we were happy. So we got it. We got, uh, I took one and uh, Sean took two. So yeah. Yeah, it was, it was it's just wild because, I mean, we ended our last episode literally being like, oh, and the World Collide looks so sick. I can't wait to get this in my hand. <laughs> and then, like, you know, something like that night, people are posting on Reddit, like, hey, check out what I found in Target. And it's just, things are going crazy. Uh, everyone's figuring out. And yeah, I, I looked on the locator and saw that there was a couple in stock in St. Louis. I, I was at work, so I was really, like, yeah, you know, man, these are going to be gone by the time I get out. I had uh, a fellow Keyforge player and buddy, uh, Skunkwitch, on our Discord. He called the target closer to my place of work and put one on reserve for me. So I had to go pick up my dog from doggy daycare, and I swung by target on the way and went to the guest services and nothing and I was, you know, so I was kind of like concerned. I was like, did somebody, because they, you know, said that they put it back there. It's like, did somebody then decide, like, you know, did the news get out? Of <laughs> did they realize the mistake? Yeah. And they like pulled it like before I could go pick it up. So 
I, I pulled up like a picture of the thing, what it's supposed to look like. She's like, you know, the lady helping is really nice, but just like, nope, sorry, man. Nothing by under your name, nothing that looks like that back there. So I left kind of discouraged and, you know, I'm driving to pick up my dog and I'm, you know, and then getting news in at the same time, like that other people in St. Louis are getting at the other target. So I turn the car around, go back to target, uh, go to the, you know, toy section, get a hold of an employee and ask him to go look in the back for it. And comes back with one, the only one they had in stock. Yes. Hands it to me. And I was just like, I was so happy. Persistence hunting pays off. Right. And my, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I was like nervous to check out. I was like, do I go to the cash register or do I go to like the self checkout? Like I was thinking like, <laughs> I'm thinking it's going to get like flagged and like police are going to like run in and be like, you're breaking the law. <laughs> the FFG police. It was funny though. Cause for, I don't know why, really, but for whatever reason, as soon as I walked out with it, I kind of went from, like, pure excitement to, like, just feeling guilty, like I had done something <laughs> I wasn't supposed to. I was pure elation because, like I said, the first store we stopped at, like I said, he just didn't find it. I don't think he really looked super hard. I think if we would have maybe got somebody else, we could have procured some from that one as well, but... I was just happy to get one. I just wanted one. That's all I really wanted, just to get a chance to play some World's Collide early. Because <laughs> I have a problem. I want to play it early. And, and I mean, let's be clear, though. I mean, this is not what was supposed to happen with this release. So there are, ser- I think, serious drawbacks to it. Uh, and, and actually, you know, I, when I first got that, we were being kind of caught. I was being overly cautious, I guess, or I don't know, but I was kind of messaging you like, I don't know if we should talk about this on the pod. Like people are going to feel bad, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then I just started seeing it's everywhere. Worlds collide content, literally everywhere on like YouTube and Facebook and Reddit. Like an untamed pun of the cast. People running total at home. Sorry. What, what was the pun? I missed it. I said they're everywhere. Hey, they're everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Your persistence hunting paid off. Yeah, the persistence hunting one. Yep. All right. Yeah. So anyway, that's why we decided, you know, well, we'll talk about it too. Yeah. Uh, and it is quite exciting, but, you know, obviously a bummer to places that don't have targets in the world. Yeah. Because uh, I think it was kind of a US only thing. Um, so sorry, rest of the world. Um, you guys, I think, who was it? Somebody had a, a release on AOA. So I guess it's our turn this time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like it's not, I mean, it's probably bumming FFG out a little bit, but at the same time, I hopefully, hopefully it kind of entices them in the future to maybe do some more pre-releases because like the hype this built, like I know I wasn't, I had no intentions of buying a starter set. Like that was not in my radar to buy a starter set. I was probably going to maybe buy a, a display box again um, when it came out. But the fact that I could get this early was like, oh yeah, I'm buying a starter. Like I wasn't... <laughs> I have to have this now. It's like available now. It's not supposed to be available now. So I'm going to have to buy it now. So I mean, that kind of helps reinforce that like pre-releases are good. Other card games do pre-releases. They build hype. They get people into the game stores early. Like if you have a pre-release event, like a sealed, like like not sealed triad. No, never mind. Like sealed three decks, choose one kind of thing, like pre-release, like the week before it comes out, you could really build some hype and, I just think that's really good for card games. Like it, it helps build the hype and get people out there. 
So anytime you give somebody like, oh, you could wait one more week or you could come get it now. Like we're going to come get it now. We <laughs> we don't have the self-control to wait an additional week. The allure of getting it early is so powerful, I think. I was about to just walk out of my job. Like, see y'all, I gotta go, emergency. (laughs) I had to wait one day and I was a little afraid of waiting the day. And then I heard some reports the next morning too that some of the targets had figured it out and updated the SKU to the actual product. And then that was triggering the actual street dates. So people were striking out for the very like astute target employees that realized the goings-ons. Well, as of Friday... October 4th, when we're recording this now, I know at least a few people have been posting in the Discord today, as late as today, saying they've been able to get it. Uh, who knows by the time, you know, the weekend and Tuesday rolls around when you're hearing this podcast, but it takes a while, I think, for things to get corrected. I think the big loser in all this, besides, you know, obviously people who are jealous of <laughs> us getting it unfairly early, which is totally understandable, but like local game stores who are playing by the rules... I bought a starter set from Target. I would have never done that had that not been the only place to get it early, right? That's two decks that my local game store didn't get to sell. Um, So it is a bummer, you know, and I think like that's worth uh, mentioning too. Yeah. And now to come out of that bummer, like the hype is real for this set. Like AOA kind of came out with a lot of trepidation. A lot of people like, I don't think this is as good as Coda. I don't, you know, like, I don't know if this is going to be able to compete. And yeah, I was on the train that AOA could stand up, but man, after I've I've opened quite a few AOA decks, and even just like opening the the six last night from the prize pool, like four of them looked fun, but they have zero amber control because amber with like amber control was just not at common as much in AOA, so you just didn't see it as much. And man, that just makes for a rough game of Keyforge when you can't stop your opponent from forging keys. Like you're not. <laughs> It hurts me. Yeah. It hurts me not to be able to pull somebody off check and just have like no options. Um, but so far, like everybody's just like everybody's on the hype train for Worlds Collide. Like people that have been playing the decks have been really enjoying them. It plays so much differently than AOA and Coda. Like I've only played one game so far, but just like see, I've watched a couple. I watched a couple games the other night that were going on at the local game store in between rounds, and just kind of some of the board states that happen, things that happen with the board states, like. It's cool. I am super excited to jam more games with this set and just to kind of see the different ways some of these interactions play out, being as vague as possible for those that want to avoid spoilers so far. We'll get into the spoiler section in a second here. The other thing is we don't know like what potential articles to spoil cards have already been written and stuff. So it potentially does undermine a lot of work from the FFG's media side of things. But on the other hand, like now it's become like this guerrilla marketing thing uh, where people have been, you know, looking through their decks as fast as they can to see if they've got something like literally unseen by anyone else before. And in a matter of days, like we already have a more or less complete spoiler yeah. uh, of the whole According set. According to our Discord and our person that keeps the spreadsheet, anonymity is the their preference so um we are one shadows card short and we know what the card is it is a displant in shadows uh we are missing a star alliance card number 329 so if you have number 329 join the discord let us know what star alliance card 329 is bingo um anomalies we are missing 
potentially three anomalies, and we're not sure just how many anomalies they printed. So we have an A11+, plus, but we don't have anomaly 5 or anomaly 9. And then we have an 11+, plus because we're not really exactly sure how many anomalies they made. So yeah, so at this point, we're missing one card. Three cards with the anomalies. <laughs> with the spoiler that we have built in our Discord. So if you want to see all the cards and their beautifulness, you can join our Discord. And those are in the Worlds Collide channel. I think that's a good transition to what has been one of the most exciting things about this leak, which has been watching people open and share their anomaly cards. Oh my goodness, how how good does that lightning look, Jake? How good does it look? It looks kind of good now. I can't admit, like... <laughs> You're a big man to admit it. Welcome yeah. to the good side. So this is all spoilers now as we kind of go into what some of these anomalies are, FYI. So continue at your own risk of uh, very spoilery spoiler content. Um, but so we already saw one anomaly from the official Worlds Collide release post or announcement post. And that was the Grim Reaper. And we kind of talked about how interesting and, and it kind of exciting that was, but how powerful exactly it was, was sort of a question mark. Um, what it meant for the future of the set. Like we didn't know like what house it was originally supposed to be from and like so on and so forth. So it, we didn't, I didn't really know uh, just how exciting these were going to be until people started cracking more of them and the floodgates kind of open is like, and it revealed like what is essentially just like a massive amount of information about the future of this game, which is, you know, I just can't believe they've decided to do that because it seems to be given away a lot, but it's all so exciting. Yeah. So we're going to go over a few of the anomaly cards because I mean, they're just too cool. We have to. I think we pulled out four of them. I think we can call it four to five because one of them is an artifact. One of them is a creature, but they have the same kind of thing. I think we can smash them together. But I'm going to go first. We have appearing in house shadows for this particular one. I mean, it could show up in a different house too. It's been proven that they can show up in different houses. But we have a lateral shift. This is an action card. No amber. No bonus amber because it's ridiculous already. Play. Look at your opponent's hand. Play a card from that hand as if it were yours. Holy smokes. So you're playing against a Coda deck, and they've got Control of the Week, and you look at their hand, you take their Control of the Week, and you play it against them, calling the perfect house because you've seen their hand. Sounds good, right? Right? Yeah. That sounds really, really good, especially when you understand how it actually works the way we would think it works. Yeah, so I came out against this card initially saying, hey, it's really good, but I think it needs to be the active house that you're playing it out of because of cards like Exhume stating that once you play the creature, you play it as if it's the active house or Mimicry just becomes a copy of the action card, so it's still untamed. And then some very astute Discordians steered me to the correct side by saying, well, Merkins and Wild Wormhole say that you can just play a card and it doesn't have to be Logos or Shadows in those cases. And I was like, oh, okay, I've been proven wrong. That templating completely works. What makes this so exciting is that it's just a card, you know, kind of like in the vein of Mimicry or some of these other cards, it's just always insane, right? It doesn't require anything else to be in your deck. Just having this alone in your deck 
you know, or it's like a control of the week. It just makes your deck better on the spot because it's that powerful of an effect, which is awesome that they're making that one of these chase type of rare anomaly well, card. It's, it's super nutty that it's just a card. You can steal an artifact. You can steal an action. You can steal an upgrade. You could steal a creature. Like, it doesn't care. It, it just has to be in your opponent's hand. It's so good. So taking away their best card, using it against them. Yeah. Pretty good. Pretty good. And then knowing what else is in their hand for the next turn, so you can kind of formulate your plan for your turn and your next turn. And I'd say this is probably the best anomaly card we've seen in a vacuum. There's another one that we'll talk about in a second that is potentially just completely broken, depending on what it's in the deck with. <laughs> uh, but this one is just always going to be insane. All right, your choice. Which one do you want? Um, I actually don't have them up in front of me. <laughs> so why don't you just read <laughs> and I'll talk about it. All right. Do you have them up? Of course I do. All right, so the next one we have, I'm going to smash these two together. So we've got Infomancer, which is a three-powered creature, elusive, play, graft an action card from your hand onto Infomancer, a.k.a. place it face-up under the card. It then has a reap trigger, a reap, trigger the play effect of an action card grafted onto Infomancer. And in a similar vein, we have an artifact, Memolith. It is a location. It is action. Graft an action card from your hand onto Memolith. Place it face up under this card or trigger the play effect of an action card grafted onto Memolith. So Memolith takes a little bit longer um, to get it. Well, I guess they both require us here. Memolith will require two turns to get it set up because you're going to have to play it. The next turn you action, graft an action card onto it. But it doesn't say you have to graft an action card from the same house. So like the Memolith that we have a picture of so far is in House Brobnar. So you could technically put like a House Shadows, like Miasma or something under it, which would be pretty silly. I don't know if Miasma's back. I don't know. But you can craft an action card from any house onto it. Looks like you can craft ad like additional cards too if you needed to craft something else later. Yeah, I think that's one of the coolest things about it because not only does it give you like a way to reuse a powerful action yeah, turn after turn, it also works almost like a library of the, of the damned by kind of getting your card out of your hands. So you're able to refill to draw that one more card in addition. So it's both helping you dig through your deck and giving you a way to reuse powerful actions turn after turn. So in that way, I think it's quite powerful. It is good. But I guess, I mean, I thought the, I thought the artifact came in and grafted right away like the creature. The creature is probably a little bit better since you can use it the very next turn, but creatures are just easier to remove. So... You have to have some way of protecting the Infomancer when he comes out. The issue is, like, you have to have the like the Memolith early in order for it to really work. Because like, in a typical game, you're probably calling one house like four to five times in a game. Like, unless it goes super long. But most of the time, like, I don't know, three to five times on a house call. Like, if you look at your Crucible yeah. Tracker at your decks, like, most of your houses are called like an average of three to four times per game. So when you think that Memolith, like two turns to set it up, um, means it's going to be a little bit more difficult to get a lot of uses out of it. You're going to have to have it early. If you get it late, you're just kind of playing it and probably probably not quite getting there with it. But it's still really cool. But like you said, if there's a really powerful effect that, you know, getting to use it twice is huge. So, I mean, or like a way to get that effect into the, a house that's not normally in where you can get extra value that way. Like there's plenty you can do with this card. I mean, I've, I've gone on record before on this podcast saying that action artifacts in general are just not that 
impactful for the reasons you specify. But like, I mean, it's still cool. Like if you get this in your deck, you're still going to be hyped. to see. Oh yeah. You're gonna be super excited. Cause I mean, just, just the thought of putting like, yeah, there's, there's some good action cards in the set and just being able to do those over and over again. is just silly. Ooh, like, uh, like that, what was it? Stealth mode. That'd be pretty wild. Gambler storm them over and over again. Yeah. Sorry. You don't get to play any more actions for the rest of the game unless you can deal with whatever the creatures I have in this house. Read me another one, Dan. All right, this one I'm kind of excited about. I'm a I'm a Husker fan, so we've got the Red Baron. Um, the Red Baron makes key key colors that actually matter. How about that? So this is a four power one armor cyborg pirate. While your red key is forged, the Red Baron gains reap steal one amber. While your opponent's red key is forged, the Red Baron gains elusive. Yeah, this this has a profound impact on Worlds Collide sealed forever. Now, no one will ever want, you know, to play optimally. You can never forge your red key first or second. A, a much more likely chance that you would never play against this card in sealed than you would. Right. But still, you know, here at Sanctimonious, we like to play optimally at the cost of fun. Ah, so. Sad, but true. Uh yeah, no, super cool. I mean, that means that, yeah, down the line in the future, key colors are going to matter. So if you're using keys that don't have the colors on them, know that <laughs> the time is nigh. You need to find some keys with some actual, the red, blue, yellow, because it will become a thing. And that's super cool because, I mean, that's just another layer of depth. On the live stream, somebody asked if, like on the Q&A with Richard Garfield, they asked if they were ever going to make key colors matter matter in Keyforge. And everyone up there kind of like defer, like, oh, I don't know, maybe. Like, we're interested in doing that someday. Like, where, when knowing full well that that's coming in this very set in, in at least a small way. So. Right, right. Yeah, so like, again, for the anomaly cards, for people that don't know, these are cards from future sets. Whether they stay in the future sets or not. <laughs> like, <laughs> if lateral shift proves to be way too good then maybe it comes in a later sh- later set is slightly less lateral shift or something you know where maybe we're few restrictions yeah. so this is kind of a cool way they can almost get some you know play testing for future cards as well right so very likely they don't have actual sets designed around these yet it's just ideas they're interested in and, and they'll throw these in later on it's not like i guess a promise that these are by any means imminent i know in magic the gathering there was some a set with future sight uh, that was like you know decades ago decades ago now that did this same idea with cards from the future and and people like speculated and there's like a card that was like a rigor type or something that had to do with like different things that weren't at all a part of the game and people were like speculated that this might be really good in the future and bought a ton of them and i don't know if they even ever put it out if they did eventually it was like literally decades later that they (laughs) completed that idea so who knows when these will come but what i think is super exciting about it is that they are seem to be hinting at entirely new houses, right? It's not as if uh, these are a Brobnar card from the future. It seems like this is like the pirate house from the future. Yep. All right. So the last one that we're going to cover, I mean, there's... I think we should do two more. <laughs> Can we do... Let's do this one and then uh, the, the artifact. Yeah, the okay. You, you talked me into it. All right. So we've got Ghost Form. This creature gains invulnerable. This is an upgrade with an amber pip because it definitely needs the amber pip here. This creature gains invulnerable. 
Uh, it cannot be destroyed or dealt damage. This creature gains Fight Reap Archive Ghost Form. Gosh dang it, that's so good. People, bring back your fears. Your fears are going to be amazing. <laughs> Syria, um, Nature's Call. Nature's Call has always been amazing. It gets even more amazing with this guy across the table from you. I haven't looked at the full set, the full spoiler yet. Uh, so I don't know exactly what the very best targets are for this card in Worlds Collide, um, which of course is the only thing that matters. But, you know, you can imagine how insane this would be on some of the stuff we've seen in uh, Coda and AOA. So likely they've thought about that and they're not going to put something as bonkers as like a Restring Guntis, which we know isn't going to be reprinted. But I mean, can you imagine something like that that's just invulnerable? Like you have to have something that bounces it in order to deal with it. As the player of it too, if you get to the point where you find a better creature that you want to put it on, you just use that creature that's currently wearing it, fight or reap with them, and you archive the, the upgrade. So then you can play it on a different creature the next turn. You never know, right? Because all the decks are unique. So it's possible that all, you know, in such a small amount are going to be anomaly decks which i think is rare right like very rare i think they're like one in 20 or one in 40 i think was the number that was around so it's not gonna be like you're not gonna open a box and have like two or three of these (laughs) right so and it's not like you need a ghost form deck to play competitively but i could see a ghost form deck being competitively viable if you get this you know with the right type of threats like it could definitely create a viable archetype almost onto itself uh which is pretty exciting um and you know we've talked about how like the idea of having chase rares is good for the game and good for the set so i mean it seems like they heard that loud and clear we're way ahead of us and that's basically what these anomalies are just super bonkers super fun exciting impactful chase rares so the last one per Jake's request, is the Orb of Wonder. So this Ooh, one... Intriguing. An item, artifact. Uh, it has an Omni ability, which Omni abilities are, you know, the worst. Not. Um, sacrifice Orb of Wonder. If you do, search your deck for a card and add it to your hand. Then shuffle your deck. Mmm. The combo player in me is just like, yes. It's like the reverse Nepenthe. Sorry, Dan. You're going to have to play bad combo decks yep. forever no, now. No, it's confirmed. Like, that was already a thing. <laughs> no, because, I mean, it's an Omni, so whatever house you have your silly combo in, so, like your brainstem intent. Well, I guess not. Sorry. Mars is gone. Um, <laughs> there goes all my combos. I don't know enough. Like, I haven't delved into the set enough to know what the degenerate combo is going to be yet. I'll have to get on that here in the next month or so. But yeah, you can. It's kind. It's a combo enabler. It's an answer finder. Like, if you need an answer for something right away, there it is. Like, you play that one turn. Next turn, you can find your answer. So, yeah, it's another just totally insane card. It's ridiculously powerful. Find the perfect answer and just get your best combo. Maybe that's the best one. <laughs> Seems pretty good. Seems pretty good. Like as long it. as your deck's still big, or if you've just reshuffled, so you have your entire deck to just find whatever you need at that moment out of any house, any one of your three houses. That I mean, that's the biggest part of it. The omni part of it really makes it amazing because it's just whatever house you want to pull from. Yeah. Get your hawks ready. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. So let's transition on that one. 
So we opened a couple of decks and we're just, we're not going to like go too in depth on them because neither of us have really had a, much of a chance to try them out. But uh, yeah, my, one of my decks I got is a Logo Shadows Star Alliance deck. Both my decks actually I lucked out in my starter box. Um, I got Star Alliance in one deck and Saurian Republic in the other deck. So I'm super happy that I got one of each. So thank you FFG for putting that in my box. Um, yeah, my Shadows deck has three Hawks. <laughs> <laughs> like this deck hates artifacts it's got a couple artifacts of its own um it's got a memory chip which would be kind of sad to have to shoot but it's there and then it's got a seismo entangler which i wouldn't feel as bad about shooting um and then there's just there's enough artifacts running around right now that yeah hawking your opponent's artifacts feels really good um my star alliance also has double stealth mode which we kind of talked about the new scrambler storm it's at common so it's going to show up a lot more where you can just shut your opponent off of actions. So all those Coda decks setting up those Nerve Blast, Relentless Whispers, too much to protect turns can just go ahead and eat some stealth mode. Yeah, three stealth modes trumps three control of weeks, <laughs> Also <I think>. true. <laughs> uh, assuming that Worlds Collide can hold up in a competitive environment at all, it seems very likely that stealth mode will be a format defining type of card that you're always going to be looking out for playing around. Yeah, no, and then Star Alliance just does it. They have so many play fight reap abilities that they just give you so many options on your turns. Um, even their even their creatures that don't have play fight reap still have fight reap. So like just all of their guys seem super, super flexible turn to turn. And their abilities are pretty, pretty disgusting yeah. so far from what I've seen. Just I, I love that just because it's so many more decision points in the game. It seems like there's really an effort. And I would say on uh, Saurians too, as we talked about in our preview, with their uh, Exalt mechanic being incredibly skill testing, that there's been an intentional effort to really up the skill intensity of these two new houses, which I think is a really smart thing to do. Uh, because of course, if you're a new player coming into it, you could still play a deck that's more straightforward uh, like one of my two decks I opened, for instance, is Dis Brobnar Untamed. And I mean, the Brobnar has, it's, it's exciting because it's got the Chieftain's Brew, which I should issue a correction on. I think on the last episode we were talking about it, I was under the impression that the different uh, brew cards could power up any creature in your deck. It seems clear now that it can only power up a certain number of Brobnar creatures. So maybe not quite as exciting. You're not going to get your uh, three-powered Dusk Witch or whatever, but still very cool. I mean, so in this deck, the Bromnarts has got a bunch of big creatures for fighting. Uh, the Dis has some solid control. Uh, it's got two copies of the Evil Eye, which is super sweet card. It gives you an Amber unnecessarily so probably but very nice that it does and it says play keys cost plus three during your opponent's next turn so it's just a little instant activated lash of broken dreams for one turn uh i think in some ways that's even better than miasma because a lot of times forging a key at nine is a lot more devastating than waiting one turn uh so that's exciting you know and then then the untamed it's got you know some good creatures and some good amber burst and a key charge so in some ways I think this deck is actually quite good. It might be the better of my two that I got. But, you know, it's going to be something a lot more familiar and accessible to a new player. So that's still in this set. It's kind of fun looking at all these new index cards. A lot of people have been sharing their index cards in the Discord and everything. And it's 
kind of like reading a foreign, foreign language again. <laughs> yeah, I can't even look at them. Just like, tell me what you're excited about about this. Okay, what do they do? <laughs> no, it's a really exciting time. Um, I'm hoping to get some more IRL games with Sean, my buddy. See, maybe if you can come over this weekend so we can jam some more Worlds Collide games and, you know, give these decks a fair shake. Um, he's He's got a really good Sarian Republic one. I watched him play one game where his Sarian board hit the board and just never left. <laughs> they refused to go away, and it was gross. It's so cool. I don't know. I don't want to get too in-depth into these decks, but we are excited. Happen to have a uh, set of blue sleeves that are kind of the color of the Sarian shell there. And so my Sarian deck is totally in those sleeves right now. It looks so good. <laughs> That's it for this week's episode. We'll be watching with interest uh, the Vault Tour taking place in Las Vegas this weekend. Good luck. And or should we say congratulations to all the sanctimonious people that no doubt performed exceedingly well. I know a couple of the Discordians have, you know, reached out and said thank you. It's helped them a lot prepare for their triad lineup and what order they should even be playing their decks in. And it's kind of surprised them what decks have been getting banned in the leagues. So it was it 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 served its purpose. It did what it was supposed to do. So I'm super happy. Yeah. And glad that they all tied for first place <laughs> in the tournament. Yeah. All right. So you can find me. I'm Dan is someone, D-A-N-I-S-S-O-M-E-1 on Twitter and Twitch. Um, we also have a new community team website that can be found through our Discord. Maybe we'll pop a link in the show notes for that too. Ooh. So thank you, Lady Aurora, for building that for us. Anybody is welcome to be on the community team page. I had the clever moniker of Dodger of Chains, and I'll have to come up with a new one. Weighed down <laughs> by chains. Wearer of a couple chains. Handful. Uh, this is Jake. You can find me on Twitter at Jake Freed, J-A-K-E-F-R-Y-D. Uh, I've been tweeting a lot. Uh, we have also the Facebook Sanctimonious page. If you just can't get enough Sanctimonious chatter, uh, we're putting up some feedback threads on there and stuff. So join us there. Give us a like and all that. Uh, until next week, this has been another episode of the Sanctimonious and Keyforge podcast. Archons of the Crucible. Worlds Collide has crash-landed early to the excitement of all U.S. Keyforge players. Enjoy this time of new discovery, and do not lament the passing of House Sanctum. Nay, revel in the new houses, bearing in mind that House Sanctum will return soon and reclaim a spot within the Crucible. Fight alongside the dinosaurs and spacemen as you work towards the glory of forging those keys. Anonymity.